Hey, welcome everybody. It's uh, Blake Rutherford of Cozen O'Connor, and I'm joined uh, today in this Pennsylvania post-primary spotlight call with my friend and colleague, Mark Alderman, the chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Mark, great to be with you. Um, we Primary day finally happened. It felt like it was never going to come with all of the ads and all of the money and all of the candidates and all of the developments, right. uh, but it finally happened, and we actually have results. We have results, and now it feels like the general will never come. That's but, we, but that's for another time. I was going that's to say, another time. I feel like that you and I sat at this same table this time two years ago thinking November will never right. happen. It's going to be so far yeah. away. Well, there there are those of us, Blake, who wish it hadn't. Right, fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. Or 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 those of us that that should have stayed on our respective islands when we were talking in the summer and raising money and not um, Not and and not worrying about it. But interesting developments in Pennsylvania, and that's the that's the scope of this call is just to talk about the Pennsylvania primary developments because we let's start on the congressional side because this was a delegation dominated by men that was, depending on your political perspective, gerrymandered, that has right. since been either reformed or gerrymandered, or whatever your whatever your perspective yeah. is. But it's it's created new districts, yep. um, new dynamics. What what stood out last night on the congressional well, side? Yeah, g- good place to start because I believe Pennsylvania is highly relevant. To the national conversation and and is going to be highly consequential if and when we finally get to the general uh, in November. Look, we began uh, last night with a congressional delegation in Pennsylvania of 18 members, 13 Republicans, five only Democrats, and all white, excuse me, all men and all but one white men. Right. So that is not a delegation that looks like Pennsylvania. And the delegation that we're going to have come swearing in on January 1st, uh, after this general six months or so from now, is simply going to look very different, and that's very important. It's going to look different because last night on the Democratic side, there were five women nominated for um, for the fall election. Four of those five women are in open seats that under the re-gerrymandered map, if you will, right. uh, trend Democratic. And one of the women nominated last night is in a trending blue district, but but close, and is running against another woman. So for sure there's going to be at one. least one, and, and I think more realistically, sure. three, four, maybe five. You know, Mark, one of the things in, those, in, in the race that we're not really talking about, that because I agree with you, I think that's the headline, right? I think that that Pennsylvania is going to send women to Congress, which it's remarkable that they, you know, it's remarkable uh, that that's new. Exactly, right. Um, 
and and that that's something that we're talking about. But I I think you're right, and I think we've we've certainly seen that. the The one thing I'm I'm particularly curious about, and it's a race that we've all been a part of and lived and heard about, which is Connor Lamb's race, right? right. Which Connor Lamb wins a special election for a district that he's not going to represent come January. He is the nominee for a new district, but he's actually running in the fall against an incumbent. Right. Um, and it, it's the only race in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. There may be another somewhere in the country, although none comes to mind. It's the only race with two incumbents. Right, exactly. Um, one R, one D. Right, one R, one D um, in a district that is re- has been redrawn, but at the same time, um, not a not a foregone conclusion in that race. Oh, either way. Right. Either that's what that's it's a, it's a redrawn true, district. It's a true right. It says close says you're gonna find among all the districts a purple district. Right. It right. Could go either way. And you've got two good candidates. Candidates matter as mm-hmm. we always say. It, yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. It is fascinating also that the guy that uh, Connor beat to right. become a congressman. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ralph Saccone ran in the other half of the old district, which is now a new district. Yeah. Which is an open seat, does not have uh, an incumbent. And he lost yeah. the primary. Yeah. So he's come up short twice <laughs> in. Tough year for him. Tough six tough, months. Tough, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Tough, tough, yeah. tough, tough year for him. Let's. Let's pivot to your friend Bob Casey, who we have unbelievable admiration for, who began the cycle, potentially on the hot seat, as we like to say. Mm -hmm. I think has, from my own perspective, and I tend not to editorialize, but I'm going to offer this. You can feel free to disagree with me. Sort of came of age in Trump. And what I mean by that, not in the context of being an exceptional legislature, legislator, but someone who really sort of built out that personality, who decided yeah. that the resistance yeah. was part of was part of his political persona. Um, obviously didn't have a primary opponent, um, but now has a general election opponent right. who is as Trump as Trump gets. I, I think all of that is, is very true and very interesting. Bob, whom I've known longer than anybody, in Pennsylvania politics, decades, Bob and I have been doing this somehow. Bob has always been an extraordinarily substantial uh, public servant, but he got something post-November 2016 that he had never been before, and that is he got mad. There, nobody had ever seen Bob Casey mad <laughs> until Trump got elected. He's mad now. He got mad. He's still mad. He's going to be mad in November. And that has really, really empowered him, I think, in, in a very intense way. And he drew the opponent uh, he would wish for, right? Because he drew a guy just like the guy who made him mad. He drew a Trump Jr. in Pennsylvania, 
Lou Barletta does actually have a factual claim to having been Trump before Trump with all of his anti-immigration. Yeah, when he was mayor. In Hazleton. Hazleton, yeah. right. Yeah. So that, that's going to be a very passionate race. You have a flamethrower on the right and the far right. And you're going to have a mad Bob Casey taking him on. I feel very good about Bob's chances in November. You know, it certainly seems that way. It's interesting because we, as I said, you know, you we rounded the corner post-2016 Trump winning, Trump winning Pennsylvania. All of a sudden, Bob Casey was on the hot seat. He was obviously a, an impassioned advocate for for Hillary Clinton and 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 I know did did everything he could to make make that campaign come to life in Pennsylvania. You and I have <laughs> talked about yeah. all of that and be that as it may. But um but now not among not among the races we really talk about anymore. In terms no. of toss ups. I mean not I mean it's up. it's in the top ten because it has to be in the top ten, but it's not really yeah, in the it's top Bob's, 10, right? It's Bob to lose. Yeah. And he isn't going to lose it. The world may take it away from him. No one knows what the world's going to look like in November. Sure. But I I think Bob among among all of the red state let's let's say it differently. Right, Bob yeah. among all of the incumbent Democrats in states Trump carried <laughs> should be okay. Yeah, right. We're not really Let's, a red state. Yeah, yeah. We're not, yeah, we're not exactly, really yeah, a blue state. <laughs> we're Pennsylvania. You're Pennsylvania, yeah. right? You're the center of the universe. Yeah. Um, Keystone. So. Keystone of the universe. <laughs> Yeah. Um, let's let, let's pivot to the gubernatorial race. We had uh, Governor Tom Wolf in our office um, mm-hmm. last not last week 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 before he was generous with his time and and spoke to spoke to our firm about his vision for the state. Um, the Republican primary was always going to be interesting because you had you had three kind of different facets of the Republican Party represented in. Right. In, in that primary, Scott Wagner came out um, as the victor, not, I think, to the surprise of anybody. No, I but, think expected. Yeah, an expected winner. But what do you make of that dynamic going into the fall? Well, I think what happened in, in most of the contested races, Blake, including Wagner's race, I think what you saw was... Uh, a bad night for moderates, and a good night for the the wings of the party. I was going to say the wing nuts, but <laughs> I'll say the wings instead. Uh, Scott Wagner was not even close. The most conservative, and then some of the the strongest candidates, the top three candidates in that uh, primary, and he won. And what you saw again and again in the uh, congressional primaries, and then we're saving the best for last, Yeah, <laughs> was that on the Democratic side, the more progressive candidate, male or female, like we saw in Fitzpatrick's district, the more right. progressive candidate won. Yeah. The more progressive candidate in Dent's old district won. Right. The more progressive candidate uh, in uh, a number of the districts won, and 
nowhere in the United States of America so far in the Trump era has there been a more progressive <laughs> candidate than our next lieutenant governor, John Fetterman. John Fetterman. Who all, uh, we can enjoy the moment because you know him, I know him, he's a great American. Yeah. But as a matter of political science, uh, for someone as unconventional, we'll say, as John Fetterman, to have just stomped the incumbent Incumbent lieutenant lieutenant governor. governor. Right. Amazing. 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 You know, I and and it's a it's a good note to and end on. And good for John. And right, I was going to say. I mean, look, this is I, I have I as you know, I've I've developed a great affinity for John. I think he's got he is doing life-changing work in the town where he is right. and he's decided to parlay that into into doing good on a statewide level, which I'm which I'm all for and and that's great. But but I, he had a really tough job. He dug in, tried unconventional stuff, was successful, and I think has decided that politics is and public service can make a difference. And yeah. I love that feeling about yeah. about John. And so I was I was elated not to disrespect any of the other candidates, but from a personal perspective, I was I was elated for John, and then it'll be interesting. Who knows? Well, I think I mean? uh, we were talking earlier with our new uh, colleague, my old friend, our new colleague Evan By, right? And he made the point that I think uh, is important to make about John's astonishing success here. Right. Uh, he was talking about Indiana and the uh, Senate primary on the Republican side last week. But here, there, and everywhere, outsiders are still succeeding. Right. It's a bad climate for incumbents. It was a bad night, you and I think, for the country in November of 2016 right. when the incumbent, Hillary Clinton, was the ultimate insider. Lost to right. the ultimate outsider right. who remains yeah. the ultimate outsider, even <laughs> right. though he's. I believe still the president <laughs> last time I checked yeah you gotta look at your watch uh, and that's the John Fetterman story yeah John Fetterman's extremely impressive uh, human being and what he's accomplished as mayor Braddock has been yeah. very very important but not everybody who voted for him knew that right right he he stomped Mike stack because he presents physically and yeah. otherwise <laughs> as a guy from way outside the system and that's what people I think voted for and and I think in many ways that is what uh, all these women having all this success is about it's about as Evan was saying a small businessman in Indiana beating two sitting congressmen in the Republican primary it it's still the age of the outsider. What what I'm hoping we saw Tuesday night last night in Pennsylvania is that we nominated some outsiders. Yeah, who can go on to win? Yeah, and and a lot of first time candidates. Yeah, um, which is which 
is aspirational in in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, Mark, I'll Mark, I'll close with with, with this, which uh, your friend Amy Gutman isn't going to enjoy when when Philadelphia Magazine calls Trump Penn's most <laughs> famous graduate. Uh, you know, the Yale has the Clintons, and of course Princeton. You know, has Michelle Obama, Columbia, and Harvard have. Barack Obama, but they also have John Fetterman, who right. uh, got his master's degree uh, and is a crimson. So, right. Um, right. you know, I I encourage um, you know you and uh, any other Penn graduates to you know <laughs> come on, step up a little bit, and uh, and, well, and 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 get beyond get beyond uh, get beyond um, where where you are as a. Uh, Proud taxpayer, real estate taxpayer in Massachusetts. Just fine with Harvard having a lieutenant governor. Yeah, yeah no, testament, testament yeah. to everybody. Fun, fun and exciting. We'll be back. We'll be yeah. talking about these races, these general election races um, for uh, in the months ahead. So stay tuned with us, Mark. Always great to be with you. Appreciate it, Blake. Yeah, Thanks. take care. Great.